on this episode of the Jeff Does Vegas podcast. I really like this idea of um, whenever you go to a destination, there's a series of decisions that you have to make about what you're going to do on that trip. And um, like you, Jeff, I'm sure people have come to you and said, you know, how much, how much is it going to cost? Where should I stay? You know, how do I know what show to see? All of these kinds of things. And so I thought it'd be really interesting to, to, to start a podcast where you try to help people answer those types of questions. In Spanish, its name means the meadows. You might know it as the entertainment capital of the world, lost wages, or simply Sin City. Of course, I'm talking about fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. On average, 42 million people visit Las Vegas every year, and I'm one of them. I love this city. The sights, the sounds, the shows, the people, the history. I want to share all of it with you. Taking you to the world-famous Vegas Strip and beyond, my name is Jeff, and this is the Jeff Does Vegas Podcast. Hey there, and welcome to episode number 70 of the Jeff Does Vegas podcast. Thank you so much for jumping on this podcast journey to my favorite city on the planet, fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. Before we get into this episode of the show, I want to thank everyone for checking out the last episode of the podcast, episode number 69, The Clip Show. It was a lot of fun to dig into some of my favorite conversations from the past 18 months and reshare them with you. If you haven't had a chance to listen as of yet, The Clip Show, as well as links to the full-length episodes, are available in the archives wherever you get your podcasts or head to the website at jeffdoesvegas.com. I also want to give a big shout-out to Noah Perez, the host of the Noah Perez Pod, who was kind enough to have me join him on his podcast. We chatted about my life before podcasting, growing up and living in Canada, and I shared some of my Las Vegas tips and tricks. If you want to check out the episode, I'll post a link in the show notes at jeffdoesvegas.com. All right, on to the show. Fred Hazelton and Seb Gagnon are the hosts of a brand new Las Vegas podcast called The Unofficial Vegas Podcast. Fred is a Vegas veteran who visits on an annual basis as a contributor to the unofficial guide to Vegas. And Seb is his good friend and co-host who's only had the opportunity to visit Vegas a couple of times, but he's equally as passionate about the city. I reached out to the guys to see if they'd be interested in coming on my show to talk about their show, and they were more than willing to do so. We chatted about their love for Vegas, what inspired them to launch a Vegas-related podcast, what keeps them going back to Vegas, and they shared a few of their own Las Vegas picks, tips, and tricks. Please enjoy my conversation with Fred and Seb of the unofficial Vegas podcast. So Seb and I, our personal story is that we met playing on a baseball team. Oh God, what's that? Fifteen years ago or something? Two thousand and one. Yeah, so, and we quickly discovered that we had all kinds of things in common from uh, from our interest in poker to music to sports and all this kind of stuff. So we became good friends over the years. And then um, I uh, was really interested in in Seb's uh, addiction to poker, so I wanted to kind of pick his brain and learn about the game and. Um, you know, and, and play along with them and, and try to see if I could, you know, take a crack at it. So over the last uh, six or seven years, we've been uh, diving into that and, um, 
And so I said to him at one point, you know what? Like we got to go to Vegas. Like I've, my, my job is that I work for uh, a company called touringplants.com and we cover a bunch of travel destinations in the States. And one of them is Las Vegas. And so I was often going there for work. And so I said, Seb, we got to get you out there and, and play Vegas, uh, play poker in Vegas, do the real thing. So that's kind of our story. And, and we, we found ourselves talking about it so much. We said, hey, let's just press record and put it on a podcast, see what happens. Yeah, I think it, it wasn't so much of a question of, of if we were going to go. It was a matter of when. Yeah. And Seb, how did that first, uh, that first poker game in, uh, in Vegas go? Oh, I was, I mean, it was amazing. I, I just thinking about it still, like gives me the, the goosebumps. Uh, I mean, the first game actually itself wasn't great because we, we were at Bally's and, uh, we, we didn't know exactly where we were going to go, what we were going to do. We had a bit of an idea and, and we ended up at Bally's. Um, it was okay. You know, we, we, we didn't do all that well, but it was kind of, it kind of gave us a little bit of taste. And then we made our way to Bellagio, which I mean, that took yeah. the cake for the entire trip. Even the other trip that we've done, uh, still for me, Bellagio is the, it just has that, um, it has something to it. When you're sitting there, it just feels like nothing else. And I've been uh, there poker rooms before. I, there was a poker room in Montreal that we go to and it's just not, I mean, the Bellagio has that. You feel like you're in Vegas. It, it feels like you're, this is it. This is where you should be playing poker if you're going to do it. So the first trip was when, what year? First oh trip would have been probably four years ago that we played poker. Was it that uh, long ago? Wow. Eh? Sixteen. Yeah, I think that's about it. And then we went again two years ago or last summer, actually, we went again. Uh, I've been going to Vegas at least once a year, usually once or twice a year since about 2008 when I started working for the unofficial guide to Las Vegas. Um, never to play poker, but just to do all of our different research projects that we have to update the book every year. So we'll check out new shows, new hotels, restaurants, everything. We cover everything and, and we usually do it as a team. So, um, I, And I just absolutely love the place. I mean, I didn't know if I was going to like it when I went the first time. Um, before that, most of my work was in the Disney parks, both in Orlando and in Anaheim. Um, and so I was looking forward to doing something different. And then Vegas just, I mean, I just absolutely fell in love with the place. I just love it. It's its basically, it's Disney for, for grownups. It is. Yeah, it I, is. And you hear that a lot. And a part of me thinks that you could, you could also make a case that Disney Disneyland is is Vegas for kids. <laughs> In other words, I, I'm not sure which which way it should swing because I think Vegas Vegas gets a lot of things right that the Disney theme parks don't. Um, it's very very hard to get a a good value vacation in the Disney parks. It's becoming extremely expensive. Um, it's very difficult to do on a budget. Whereas Vegas, you can still have an amazing trip in Vegas for dirt dirt cheap. And so I think there's yeah. a lot of ways where Vegas kind of sets the bar for American destinations. Yeah. And we're proof of that, that the trips that we've taken uh, were fantastic and we didn't break the bank. Um, you know, like, like I said, the first time we were there, we stayed at Bally's and I think the room was like, I want to say 30 bucks yeah. US a mm-hmm. night plus a resort fee, but still it's nothing. Uh, that's the, that's the difference. I mean, you can, you can go to Vegas and spend, Tons of money if you want. You want to sure. stay at what used to be the Mandarin, which is W now, like, or what? No, it's not. It's the other uh, bits, right? Or yeah. you can go and stay at the Circus Circus if you want. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It, you can make your trip whatever you want, and it doesn't matter how much money you have how, or how little you have. You, it's Vegas. There's things for everybody. 
that's always kind of been one of the fascinating things and one of the tough questions that that I've found as a as a podcaster and as a person that that puts myself out there for questions and 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 such is one of the big questions everybody asks is how much money should I bring? And it's a question that really there's no there's no right or wrong answer to that question. Yeah, well, the answer is how much you got, you know, like how much <laughs> you can basically you can spend as little or as much as you want. And that's that's the great thing about Vegas. I mean, it's absolutely true. In fact, one of the things that's on our list for our podcast is I wanted to do like a series of podcasts where um, you create sort of a set of rules. Um, you know, for example, you have to see a show every night. You have to get a meal. You have to do a, you know, you have to stay in a certain level of hotel. But how would you structure your trip for like, let's say, five different budgets from, you know, a $700 budget all the way up to a $10,000 budget and to see what you would pick? Like, how would you go through the different decisions to to plan out your Vegas trip? And it's it's kind of a fascinating exercise to see where you would want to spend that money. But but I was amazed at how you could do it on the cheap end. I mean, it really it really is possible to do. It's it's you have to get a little more creative. You have to little, know a little bit more about where to find those deals. Um, but it can be done. You can absolutely do it and have a great trip. Well, I find the possibilities are endless, uh, especially if you use uh, tickets for tonight, for example. You can just get there's so many deals everywhere and so many different things to do. You could go to literally go to Vegas thirty times and have thirty different trips. You could make it so that it feels like you've gone to 30 different places, or as opposed to when you go to Disney, you're going to Disney. That's You're going to see the yeah. same things. You're going to see the same parks, the same attractions, the same rides. Whereas Vegas, there's just so many different options that the possibilities are endless. I had a, a good friend of mine once tell me that only suckers pay full price for things in Las Vegas. And, and I don't know if there's a truer statement than that, quite honestly, because you're right. The, the, the ability to get deals, and I'm not saying go sit through a timeshare presentation to do it because that's the absolute worst thing that you can possibly do. Um, but the ability to get deals really is endless, as you say, as opposed to a Disney park where there's, there's no haggling, there's no $20 trick, there's no comps, there's none of that stuff in, in, in there. So, so I think you're right. I think to, to do the comparison, yeah, Vegas is definitely is, is 100% is Disneyland for adults and, and vice versa. You mentioned, this is kind of interesting. You mentioned that there's certain things that, that Vegas gets right, that, that Disney gets wrong just as a, uh, for a fun little exercise, what would you say is the flip side of that? What are the things that Disney does right that maybe Vegas gets wrong? Well, the one thing that Disney can do really well is they can really control the transportation. I mean, the fact that all of the entertainment that you experience in at a Disney resort is controlled by Disney. It means they can really, they can really, um, manipulate the, um, the entertainment. So the one thing that Vegas really struggles with is that you've got, competing properties that don't really want to work together um, to, you know, to share experience. They're trying to like all the Caesars properties are trying to lure you away from MGM and vice versa. And so what happens there is that you get this kind of conflict of um, it's not easy to go between the properties. I mean, almost everybody that goes to Vegas to check out the strip would, um, you know, wants to check out all, all the hotels. They want to go in and out in every hotel very easily and experience what Vegas has to offer. Um, it's not designed in a way to make that easy to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so transportation is one example. I mean, um, if put it this way, if the Las Vegas Strip was a Disney resort, the monorail would not go down one side of the Strip. It would go right down the middle of the Strip 
and it would be very easy to get to each property along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, Vegas doesn't do that, you know, and they, there's reasons for that. So that's one way where I feel like, you know, Vegas suffers a little bit is that it's, it's difficult to get around and it's not really cohesive in the way that it's organized. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, I have a lot of people that will ask, is it worth using the monorail to get around in Las Vegas? And the caveat that I always kind of throw in there is it's worth it if you're staying at one of the resorts that actually has a monorail station attached to it. Um, I mean, I've used the monorail to get around, not overly extensively, but uh, a few years ago I was staying at the Luxor while attending a, a convention and which I mean is obviously one of the dumbest places to stay if you need to get to the Las Vegas Convention Center on a regular basis, which I needed to. But I was able to take the monorail. I was able to wander over from the Luxor across to the Tropicana, across to the MGM Grand, hop the monorail and and be right there. But again, you're right. If it was designed properly, it would have been running right up the middle of the strip as opposed to running on the back side of the east side. Yeah, it would just connect all the properties and it would be easy to get around. So um, and the difference too is that it looks at if you're at a particular like you said you're at the Luxor and you want to make your way over to the MGM. Well, it's not going to take you 30 seconds to do that. No. It, so every <laughs> no. it, it, it's sort of like built so that they're trying to get you to stay where you are in in a sense that Unless you're going to walk down the strip on the same side of the street, which is still not that easy. Like we went from Treasure Island over to Mirage to make our way to Caesars, and but it took us like 20 minutes to do that easily. Yeah, that that's and that's one of the big things too. Is people will always say that if I had a dime for every time I heard somebody say, "Oh, let's just walk to such and such a place. It's just right there." I can tell you right now, 25 minutes from now, you're going to want to kill yourself because it's 115 degrees outside and you are 25 minutes from now. It's still just right there. (laughs) I can see it. There it is. I can see the fountains of Belaz. They're splashing. Exactly. We're almost there. We're almost, I could see, we could totally walk to the Rio. It's just right there. Oh, (laughs) we, uh, I was working for the guide when the monorail was, uh, was, was being launched and we were really excited because we had always been very critical of the transportation problems in Vegas. And we thought, great, this is going to be a way to solve it. And so in typical unofficial guide fashion, we sent a team of people in to basically time their walk in every direction from every, every hotel along the strip to get to the nearest monorail station. And we couldn't believe the wait times we collected, you know, people were coming back saying, yeah, it was, you know, 38 minutes to get from here to the monorail. And we're like, no, I can't be right. Go do it again. Sure enough, there are definitely spots, you know, Caesar's Palace, where you're trying to get to the nearest monorail, it, it takes forever. So yeah. that's kind of a disaster. Yeah, yeah, that does. it. Does, as I say, I think accessing anything from the west side of the strip to do monorail is, I, I will usually just tell people use an Uber or, or walk because <laughs> it's going to be just as quick. Um, so, I mean, when you guys go down to Las Vegas, um, first off, I mean, how often have you, I mean, not, not necessarily including going down for the unofficial guide, but just on leisure trips. I mean, how often do you guys get down to Las Vegas? I'm going about, about once a year. I mean, obviously now that COVID-19 is here, it'll be a while before my next trip, I suspect. But, um, I had been going at least once a year for the past, you know, 15 years or so, 15, maybe 14 years. Um, and that's about, I mean, I'd love to go more obviously, but that's kind of my limit. 
Um, I'm also doing other trips for, you know, for other reasons. So mm-hmm. um, Seb, I've been able to bring Seb along for only two trips so far, but we've been. Yeah. Uh, in my mind, I go there all the time, <laughs> but physically, um, and I, I remember too, Freddie, that the first trip that we took uh, was when I was turning 40. So that was two years ago, That's just right. a little over two years ago. I'll be 43 this year. So, um, so, you know, if we, like you said, it might be a while before we get uh, the chance to go back. But if, if I could go like, you know, financially speaking and, you know, given the fact that I'm a, I, I'm a father of three kids and married, um, we, it's a little bit harder to get over there. Uh, kids are still young. So, but ideally, you know, once, once every one and a half year or so, that's how often I, I would like to go if I could. Uh, but that's, yeah. But the, I mean, both times that I've been, we try, we're essentially poker trips with the exception of the first time, which was kind of just to get my bearings in Vegas and, and look at everything that was there. And then with playing poker as well, whereas last time we, had, we just hammered the poker tables almost the entire time we were there. And something else too, I guess I, I should throw this out there. You guys are both like myself. You're both Canadian, correct? That's right. Correct. And Eastern Canada, which presents a little bit of a, a, a little more difficulty in getting down to Las Vegas. I think people don't for our, for the American listeners, people I don't think realize quite how big and spread out of a country Canada is. If I can go off on how proud I am of my country for just a few moments here, we are the, the second largest country in the world. We're spread out so far and wide for myself being in Calgary to get down to, to Las Vegas, it's a two and a half hour flight. It's relatively quick. It's one flight. I can do it for relatively often, relatively short and shorter periods of time. You guys coming from Eastern Canada, it's, it's a little bit more of a trek and more of an adventure, isn't it? It is for sure. Like our, our, our flights, I mean, for the American listeners, it's essentially like, I'm in Ottawa, so we're we're so is Fred. We're parallel to almost New York. New York is maybe a little bit more east, uh, but but also a little bit more south, obviously. So for us, I'd say what Freddie, uh, if you we, if we were to have a direct flight, we're looking at probably six hours. Does that sound about right? A little bit less than that. I think it's about five to six, six direct to LA. So it's about five probably. But that's direct. So it's, you know, we, and we can't direct, get direct flights from where we're at. So we're looking at, um, usually we'll go through Toronto or Montreal. And then, so it's probably like a seven or eight hour journey or so to get over there at at best. I mean, a flight from Calgary to London, England is eight hours. So, I mean, that's a trek for you guys to get that, that trip down. So yeah, that's a, it's, it's, it's a hike to make it from Eastern Canada, uh, all the way, all the way down there for you guys. You're losing, basically losing a day of travel on either side of your trip. Yeah. Uh, What we've done though, the last two, well, the times, both times that I've gone, what we've done is we've, we've took, taken the red eye back. So we've taken off like around 1130 at night, Mm -hmm. got back to Ottawa around 10, 11 o'clock local time. (laughs) <laughs> what's what's that red eye flight like coming back from vegas a little hungover you've been out in the sun all day your pockets are a little lighter that's got to be a yeah. tough flight it's a little quiet on that flight. honestly uh, i i loved it the both times especially the last time um i think like i said before when uh, in another episode we did 
I think in that trip, we probably slept eight hours in three days combined. Oh, yeah. And so we slept a little bit on the flight, I would say. <laughs> I actually don't remember the flight, so we must have. Yeah. Here, I can tell you, Jeff, exactly our first trip when we were there. It was when the the shopping area on the right side, on the east side of the Bellagio, um, caught fire. Ah, okay. And that's when yeah. we were there. We yeah, were, we actually, that. we flew. And when we took off, you know, when, to, to get back to where we are, it goes up and around and then you come across the strip so you can see it. And we never even looked down. And then had we looked at Bellagio, we would have seen the, the smoke as it was on fire when we were flying across it. Yeah, that was weird. So, I mean, other than gambling, um, I mean, you guys both poker players and down to Vegas and, and hit the tables. Other than gambling, what do you guys enjoy about Vegas? Is it is it the food? Is it the shows? Is it just the the people watching? What's your what's your jam when you guys are in Vegas? Well, for me, food for sure. I'm a, I'm a I'm a pretty good foodie. I I watch the Food Network all the time. Um, we just did an episode on Gordon Ramsay's restaurants that we've been to last time we were there, and uh, the time before I believe too. Yeah. So we essentially did three of his places and like for me that was that was really cool because i'm such a big fan of his um but the just the food in general we know it and what we've what we've done too is every time we've gone there we've like you said we don't pay full price we've paid we've used all these uh coupons and tips and tricks from from fred's uh back pocket and uh to hit a couple of different places and either buffets or we did the, the Ellis Island trick, which, uh, which, um, was amazing. Even though we ate that steak at midnight, <laughs> seven ninety nine steak. Yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah. But you know, and, and like you said, it just goes to show that you don't need tons of money to eat really well in Vegas. There's just so much variety. Yeah. For me, my big thing is the shows. I, I, I just love seeing the entertainment in Vegas. Um, both because that was kind of my role when I first started working for the book was they gave me a couple of, you know, new shows that had popped up and I had to go check them out and review them. Um, and I'm a huge Cirque du Soleil fan. Uh, I really love their show in Orlando, La Nuba. And um, so the opportunity to come see some of their Vegas shows was just too good to pass up. And so I've um, really enjoyed seeing those. And I've seen, I mean, almost every show. I, there's a few gaps in my, um, on my checklist of things that I still want to see in Vegas, but I've pretty much seen them all and uh, I just never get tired of them. Such great quality entertainment. So what was it then that really just inspired you guys to do a podcast about Las Vegas? Was it your love for the city? Was it your, uh, the, the fact that you go there as often as you do? What, what really gave you that extra little push to say, okay, I want to jump into this realm. Well, I've been, um, like I mentioned, my work on the, the Disney guidebooks and on, on our touringplants.com site, we've been podcasting for years about the Disney parks. And it's, a, it's just a great way to kind of join with you know, like-minded people to chat about the stuff that you love and even sometimes the stuff that you don't love about you know, a destination. And I've always felt like um, there, was, there was an opportunity for us to have these conversations about Vegas. I mean, there are a handful of really great podcasts like yours. Um, and I thought I wanted to do one kind of from the perspective of people planning trips. I really, I really like this idea of um, whenever you go to a destination, there's a series of decisions that you have to make about what you're going to do on that trip. And um, like you, Jeff, I'm sure people have come to you and said, 
you know, how much, how much is it going to cost? Where should I stay? You know, how do I know what show to see? All of these kinds of things. And so I thought it'd be really interesting to, to, to start a podcast where you try to help people answer those types of questions. Um, and Seb and I, you know, have found ourselves talking about Vegas all the time anyway. Why not just press record and, and put it into a podcast and see if anybody wants to listen? So it's a big experiment that we're trying out. And what I, what I, I like as well is that I've done many Disney trips and which for me ties into basically what Fred's concept of the podcast was, was or is. And so all my, my knowledge of Disney and with, through the help of Fred, of course, uh, being that uh, historian plans work um, that has helped me also to acquire the knowledge of how to plan a trip and, how to design your trip and how and how to budget for it and what to look for and what to not look what to avoid and these kinds of things so that that essentially what the goal of the podcast is um with the addition of you know like we started off talking about poker in our first episode because that's where essentially my uh, desire for vegas started and so we just kind of went from there and then the episodes are developing as they're coming I'm trying to find new topics and for every episode. We also make a nice team too. Like the one thing that I, I mean, I'm not much of a, an audiophile at all. So I needed someone that could handle the technical aspects of it. And Seb's really good at that. He's, uh, he's a musician. So he understands a lot about audio and microphones and, and producing and engineering and all of this stuff. So um, my pitch to him was, look, I'll, I'll bring the content. I'll bring the show ideas. I'll bring the stuff to talk about. Uh, you record it, do the editing and uh, you know, see what happens so so far it's working out and so how much preparation and planning have you, did you guys put in before you actually launched your podcast i mean i know for me personally um i kind of just was like you know what i'm just gonna hit record and just do this and throw it out there and see what happens on the first couple of episodes and then i sort of found my legs and figured out where i wanted to go were you guys kind of the same route or did you really plan it all out and format it before you guys jumped in the water i'd say we're probably the opposite. I've been thinking about this for five or six years, constantly bugging my wife <laughs> saying, I got to do this. I got to start this. How am I going to do it? What do I do? You know, how, how do I make sure I'm going to sound good? You know, all of this stuff. And so, yeah, it was kind of a long time coming where I finally said, okay, you know, we're stuck at home during this COVID thing right now. I've been dying to start this podcast. Let's just do it. I'm going to call Seb. We'll get it. We'll figure out the details. Let's just, uh, you know, buck up and do it. So, it's kind of the opposite. It's kind of a long dream and it's finally coming true. So when I said to him, I said, after we started planning, well, he gave me access to this sort of, not a log, but a, a list of ideas and things. And when I first started to read, I'm like, holy man, like, have you been, you know, it's kind of like, uh, <laughs> You know, I don't know if you ever watch Friends, but whenever Monica's going to get married, she brings out this wedding book that's like <laughs> a thousand pages and has it all in detail, you know, down to every last bit. Uh, so when he showed me that, I'm like, wow, okay. Like, okay, so we got some sort of direction here. So we'll go from there. And then after that, that night, uh, as I was going to bed, I thought, well, with COVID happening, like, is this really a good time to start a Vegas podcast? Like, who's <laughs> going to travel to Vegas? <laughs> and then, sure enough, next thing you know, Vegas is open and everything's reopening as maybe not quite as it was, but close enough. And 
so yeah, that's that's essentially how we got we got going. And and that kind of leads into the next question I wanted to ask, and the next thing I wanted to talk about was some of the challenges that you guys have faced launching a a travel podcast during a time when people can't travel to a city where as you say, although things are opening up, it, it looks, you never know whether or not the tides are going to turn and things are going to roll back and and things are going to shut down again. I mean, it's for me personally, I know I've struggled hardcore with trying to find content and figure things out. How have you guys managed to keep putting out content and putting things out and coming up with ideas, especially being a, a, a brand new podcast? Yeah, well, uh, like Seb said, we, we're starting with a pretty long list. Um, um, you know, this is stuff that I've been thinking about for years. And so I've kind of been gathering ideas about what we could talk about. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's hard. I mean, you kind of have to kind of have to just hope that people care about the same things that you care about. You know, um, the one thing we're looking forward to is, is to get some listener engagement, to hear back from our listeners, to uh, you know, send us questions and and even just give trip reports. Uh, I know the Jeff, you had a, your last episode. There was an awesome trip report uh, from a guy who happened to be going pretty recently, and it was I was just amazed at all the details he was able to give and uh, kind of break down his experience of going to Vegas during this very strange time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what we're hoping to get. You know, someday. In the meantime, we're just going to keep talking about stuff that interests us and and hope that it interests other people as well. That's the one thing that I find between Fred and I too, is that we, him and I are able to carry a conversation, you know, for, for hours on end. And so it's not so much, um, like I find we have like a good, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, a rapport, a synergy or like it's, 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 it's him and I can talk to each other. No problem. So it's just a matter of finding the right topic and like you said, we just hit record and at least that's how I am. Fred, Fred has all, all the details and some of the more of the question oriented side and more of the details, whereas I'll just let him ask the question and then off we go to talk, talk about the, the, the topic at hand. Um, and on my end, there's not a lot of preparation with the, with the exception of like this, the upcoming uh, Golden Knights episode that we're going to do. I'm going to do a little bit more research on the team itself, although I already have a good base of it so that, you know, at least we can provide a little bit more detailed information to the people listening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Golden Knights is a good example. I mean, before we even request uh, pressed record tonight, we were chatting for 20 minutes about the Golden Knights. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> it just kind of happens. You just kind of, you bring up something and you just get going and, and all of a sudden, you know, that's an episode. So I think the next time we record, we're going to talk about the Golden Knights and their impact on the city. And, um, you know, I think there's some you know cool stuff there as well. So sometimes it just kind of happens. You just kind of go with it. Absolutely. Very, very cool. Um, so I do want to talk about, I mean, we've kind of covered what you guys have, have gotten into and your trips and, and what you guys like to do. I want to kind of get into the specifics and get, I mean, I, part of, part of the gig is sharing ideas and, and sharing thoughts and tips and tricks. So I did kind of want to get into some discussions with you guys and talk about some of your, uh, your personal Vegas faves. So let's start off with, um, with hotels, you guys, whereabouts have you stayed? What have you liked? What have you not liked? Um, any, any suggestions on, on where to stay or where not to stay? Those are always fun ones as well. That's, that's really tough. And that's the one thing about Vegas is that, um, there are so many choices for hotel and, and so many good choices for hotel. And they range 
uh, there's a, such a huge range of price and quality. And uh, the problem with Vegas is the location. I mean, when people ask me, you know, where should I stay? I say, well, you have to figure out which, which location you want first. Are you looking for a downtown type of Vegas experience? And I have to kind of explain what that feels like, or are you looking for a, a strip experience? Uh, and then there's kind of everything else. Um, for hotels, I mean, I'm, I tend to prefer the strip. Uh, I've stayed at, I mean, almost all of them. I haven't stayed at all of them, but, but many of them. Um, and I'm, I'm a big fan of the Aria. I'm a big fan of Caesar's Palace. Uh, I've never actually stayed at the Bellagio, although I've seen the rooms. Um, a big fan of the Cosmopolitan. Um, but my all-time favorite is the, the Delano, the, uh, the suite hotel in behind the um, Mandalay Bay there. That's, mm-hmm. I stayed there once on like a $99 rate and, and not really knowing much about the hotel, and it just blew me away. It's such an awesome room. So that's one of my favorites. I have a lot of favorites off strip as well. Um, uh, I really like the M resort down south of the strip. Uh-huh. I think that's a really cool kind of uh, spot. It's, it's very much separate from the strip and downtown, obviously. So it's kind of a resort unto itself. Um, so for people that are looking for kind of a, you know, they want to kind of a quiet live, spend all of my time at the hotel experience. I recommend that place a lot and then kind of commute to the strip to do everything else. And then uh, downtown, I'm a big fan of the D. I think that's uh, my favorite hotel downtown. The M is such a cool spot. I had a chance um, last fall. We actually uh, we went into town for a Knights game, and it was it happened to be right around Halloween, and room rates were insane. So we actually stayed with friends in Henderson, who live oh, yeah. like 10 minutes away from the M. And after the Knights game, we actually, on our way back, stopped at the M for a wander around and a drink and a bite to eat. And what a cool spot. And and as you say, I mean, you're you're far from the Strip. Like, you're not even Strip adjacent. You're a 20-minute drive from the Strip, but definitely a very, very cool spot to to check out. Oh, yeah. It's got a lot to offer. Lots of good restaurants, great pool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the gambling is pretty decent, too. If you are into table games and, and other things there's there's some pretty good gambling there which you can't really say about a lot of other places mm-hmm. um and obviously it's you know it's still quite new i wish they would kind of um just just kind of tweak their design a little bit i find that every time i go there it looks exactly like it did on opening day mm-hmm. um i I'd, I'd like to see them just kind of maybe i don't want to say renovate cuz it doesn't need a renovation but just kind of tweak the design a little bit update it a little bit um i think it would really uh, spruce it up but yeah i'm a big fan of the m and Seb, what about you for hotels? I th- uh, well, you know, I've only been there twice. Um, and the first time we stayed at an uninvaded Bally's room, <laughs> uh, which you mentioned like I always $35. say it <laughs> felt like when we got out of the elevator, it was 1976. And, and then we stayed at TI, which was actually a really nice room. Um, the only thing I can say is that having walked through so many of the hotels the first time I went and trying to get a, an idea of where I would want to stay, I would say for me, the Bellagio is, is above and beyond anything else for me, just the, the, the feeling of it. And uh, then there's places like the Venetian that just uh, even the wind, when you walk in, they, they just have such a luxurious feel to it. You know, if you're willing to spend the money, I think those places would be, um, on the top of my list for sure. Maybe like Fred says, the Ariara, the Fedara tucked in a little bit behind there. And it, it just depends. And if you're going by yourself, then 
I don't think it's really worth, uh, if you're going with the guys, you know, I don't think it's really worth spending the money on a nice hotel like that. Whereas if you're going as a couple with your wife or your spouse, whatever, then you're looking at something like the Aria, the Vidara, those nicer rooms where you'll have the value. I think the first time we were there was just Fred and I. So we didn't care. We just needed a room, a bed and a shower and a toilet, you know, that's all we needed. So yeah, uh, I, I think I would like to keep myself centered in the middle of the strip so that it's easier to navigate. If you're going to go South or North or whatever, if you're going to go to Rio, you're still really close. And um, I think the Rio too would be one of on high on my list just because of the poker there and still the proximity to everything else. Mm-hmm. That's what I would do. I think. Let's talk about, um, my probably my favorite Vegas thing, and this is always the the highlight of my trip report episodes for me, anyways. Dining experiences. We talked a little bit earlier. You guys, you're you're yep. food lovers. Um, what are some of your favorite uh, dining experiences? You mentioned the Gordon Ramsay restaurants earlier. Yep. Did you do Hell's Kitchen? We did our last trip. Went for lunch, and it was for me, anyways, um, exactly how I wanted it to be and what my expectations were. My expectations were really high and, and it, it pretty much met everything. The, the service, the quality of the food, the, just the, the buzz in there, the experience of it, uh, everything was up to par. Um, the food, I mean, the food itself was just, mag- just amazing. Mm. And, you know, you're, you're paying a little bit more, paying a premium for being there, but that's to be expected given that it's a branded place. Uh, and, from a Gordon Ramsay as well, you're, you're going to expect to pay a little bit more for me, the plate of all the places I've been in Vegas, that would definitely be the, the, the best experience that I had food wise. And, and Fred, what about yourself? Dining experiences? Do you have any recommendations or, or personal favorites for yourself as well? I, I, I definitely have some favorites. I'm, I'm definitely not the foodie in the group. I mean, other than to say that if you put food in front of me, I will eat it and probably <laughs> like it. So I'm not hard to please. Um, my wife, however, is, is like uh. Seb. She's very much a foodie and, and also like Seb, a very good cook. So uh, I, I tend to kind of, you know, eat and watch their reaction and hear them comment about it um, to, to judge for myself. But um, yeah, I've been very lucky over the years to join Bob Selinger, the author of the book and, and a few others on different dining experiences, trying to review um, restaurants. Uh, Craft steak is one that always comes up as one of my favorites. I really enjoyed that. Um, We did Spago one year, which was really, really cool. I I enjoyed that spot as well. I probably would get something different if I went, but that was a, that was a great experience. Um, uh, To treat ourselves, uh, Chantel and I, my wife, we we stayed at the Aria on, uh, when was that? A couple of years ago, I think. I think summer of 2018. It was right after we went. So after yeah, you know, I went the first time. We went. And we, uh, the deal I got there had came with like a, you know, a hundred dollar dining credit or just a resort credit. And so we, um, we took that opportunity to go to um, uh, L'Atelier, the French place at the MGM there. Uh, it's one of the restaurants that's rated very high in the unofficial guide. So I thought, well, let's go check it out. We'll have a hundred dollar head start. And uh, it was, wow. It was, it was very, very good, but, the, the quality and the, you know, the presentation was so over my head that I couldn't really appreciate it. Um, I could appreciate it. It's a Joël Robichaud, eh? That's Joël Robichaud. Uh, Robichaud one, yeah. So there's, yep. Joël Robichaud has the, his main restaurant, which is like black tie and whatever. And then there's like this kind of attached to the same kitchen is this very casual version of that with a very similar menu. Mm-hmm. And so we went to the casual part. 
Um, and it was, you know, excellent. But like I say, it was kind of over my head, the, you know, just like little flowers appearing on the side of your soup and you don't really know what you're supposed to eat and what you're not supposed to eat and um, this kind of stuff, but, but very, very good. I get pretty woman. You're not supposed to, which fork are you supposed to use? Yeah, I'm, I'm eating with my hands and no, no, sir, sir, you're not supposed to eat that. Like, oh, okay, how am I supposed to know, sir? That's potpourri. That's uh... <laughs> salad. What's up with these chips? What are these chips? Yeah, that's potpourri, sir. Can I get some more salsa. No, there's no nachos here, sir. We um, you know, on, on a if you want to like on a scale, like the, the bottom bottom dollar, like the cheapest that. We ate for was a dollar twenty five hot dogs at South Point oh. when we played poker, which were amazing. Um, and then up to the to Hell's Kitchen for me. But um, another place that was, um, like I mentioned before, was Ellis Island mm-hmm. for for seven ninety nine. So Fred and I signed up for the. We did the whole deal. You signed up for this player's card. You got you, you got to pay. You got to play ten bucks. We did that. Fred ran it up to fifteen bucks. Cashed out. Gave me the ticket. I popped it in the machine. We brought it up to 40 bucks, cashed out, and then essentially got our meal for free. It was the biggest win of the whole poker trip. That was the biggest <laughs> win, yeah. And honestly, like you think, like when you go to Ellis Island, you're not expecting to, to be wowed in terms of food. But man, honestly, it was, it was damn good. Ellis Island is is a place that, in all honesty, I had no idea where it was to start with. And the my first Ellis Island experience uh, was uh, like a one o'clock in the morning prime rib, and you know fourteen ninety nine, I think it was, or thirteen ninety nine or something for this giant plate of prime rib with mashed potatoes, gravy, vegetables, just absolutely incredible. I went there, a friend drove me there and then drove me back to my hotel. So I had no idea where it was. And then a later trip, I was staying at Bally's and I had a room that was facing East. And so I woke up and I opened the curtains and looked and went, Oh, there it is. I can walk there. <laughs> and so I walked out the side of Bally's up Flamingo to, to Coval and, and went to the, uh, uh, went to Ellis Island for breakfast and Bang for the buck, dollar for dollar, that is probably the best value for breakfast anywhere. I had oh, yeah. French toast and a side of bacon, and I swear to God, it was six pieces of bacon and a coffee and an orange juice, and I think I paid 12 bucks. It, like With a tip, awesome. it was like $15. And, and you walked from the strip, so that that bonus points for that, right? I mean, yeah. That, yeah. yeah, absolutely 100% worth it. So, so that, I mean value dollar for dollar yeah i agree with you guys that that is there is no question at all on on where <laughs> on where that is no question at all uh, what was the name of that place freddie that we went to our first trip was it the wicked spoon in, in the cosmopolitan that's the buffet at the cosmo at the cosmopolitan yeah, yeah. yeah that was great. that was a really good spot it's I a thought. great buffet too yeah it slipped a little bit i think now in the official guide i think the caesars the bacchanal is number one now the win is up there too. Win's really good. I was going to ask if you guys were buffet guys at all, because me personally, in spite of what the uh, the giant gut I have says, uh, I I myself am not much of a buffet person. Uh, my lone Vegas buffet experience was Bacchanal Buffet and at Caesar's Palace. And if I didn't have a one hundred dollar dining credit, I probably never would have gone. But you guys, you guys are down with the buffets. Well, we we did um, both times that I've gone. We did the um, 
the carnival uh, buffet there at, Rio. at uh, yeah. the Rio, uh-huh. and. And then we we did one at South Point as well for breakfast, which was five bucks. But I mean, it was horrible. Um, but honestly, th- the thing with buffets is that you're not you're not gonna have anything that's the nothing that you will eat is going to blow your mind uh-huh. because they're cooking in in large quantities. It's it's not like ordering a meal and where it's the chef is focused on that that particular meal. They're they're making it in large batches and. So, but having said that, the Wicked Spoon that we went to was pretty good, given the fact that it's a buffet, and the one at the Rio was okay. You know, like it's and I think for a buffet you have to look at value. So, if I how much am I paying, and am I satisfied after this meal? Is it good enough that I would come back? And I think the Carnival we obviously we went back, so it was good enough. Whereas the one at South Point, I wouldn't go back even if it's only five bucks. Um, I gotta ask, are you guys, you guys are more strip guys versus downtown or are, are you even on both? Which, which do you guys prefer when you, when you do your Vegas trip? Boy, I, I really struggle with this because I, it, I, I really appreciate both. I think there's a, there's a, there's a place for both. There's a type of trip that fits well with both. I go to both on almost every trip. I mean, even if I'm doing a strip vacation, staying on the strip, I end up downtown for some reason, you know, at the cocktail lounge or something. Um, um, so although I do, I would say in general, I tend to focus on the strip, uh, and then visit downtown. I've only stayed downtown twice, I think. Um, so I guess I'm more of a strip guy, but I certainly have a lot of time for what they're doing downtown Fremont street. I mean, there's just a lot of advantages to what they're doing down there. I mean, it's, it's, it's more classic Vegas. It's more historic Vegas. I, I just, I, I don't know if I'm the only person, but I love going into the El Cortez. I don't know why, um, but it's just for me, it's like it's Vegas. Like you don't get more Vegas than El Cortez and some of these some of those old downtown hotels. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I insisted on doing with Seb when I brought him to play poker is is to go to Binion's for that reason, because of the history of it. And, you know, it's not because it's a beautiful place to check out, but just to appreciate some of the history of Vegas you have to go downtown and check out some of those hotels. I think it's Vegas on, on a different scale where I, I prefer the strip if I'm going to be playing poker or if I'm going to be seeing shows or dining, you know, the, the, the three big things. But if you want to just go and kind of have a kind of, you just want to go party, then you just go down, down, you go downtown and you hang out on Fremont at night and there's a buzz there. You know, it's, it's very, uh, it's got that, it's got a feeling to it where you're not going to experience that anywhere else. You mm-hmm. walk around the street with your beer in your hand and you're, you know, there's performers and there's, there's all sorts of things. And then the guys going above you on the zip lines and uh, there's a lighting on the, on the, on the, the, the ceiling or whatever you want to call it that they've made. Um, it's awesome. You know, and we went there both times. We went to Binion's and, and you walk into Binion's and the, the ceiling is like, you know, like six inches above my head <laughs> and you know, it stinks of cigarettes and you know, you're not going to get that if you walk into the wind or, or the Venetian it's so it's like, you know, it just has a different feel to it. And I wouldn't say that I'm more strip or that I'm more downtown because I like both. They just have two, it's just two different things. It's like going, uh, you know, going to a fine dining or, or going and just get a burger somewhere. They mm-hmm. both have value. 
Mm-hmm. You got to give Jeff your um, your anal- your Titanic analogy for downtown versus the Strip. Oh yes, I said that once. I don't know why it just popped into my head. It's not because I'm a big Titanic movie fan, but uh, there's one scene where uh, she, the uh, Rose, is just sitting there and she's bored out of her mind. The guys are smoking cigars and it's very posh and high end. And then the Leo DiCaprio comes up and he, he says to her, you want to go to a real party? And he takes her down below where there's loud music and it's all, you know, there's this big ruckus and it's, everybody's dancing. And it's, it's just a different, you know, not that one is better than the other, but it's just, it's just different. It's the first class lounge versus the third class Correct. steerage compartment, so that's to speak. Right. Yeah, but they're both right. good parties. They're yeah, both, yeah, good, both parties. good parties. Yeah, yeah. It depends what you're looking for. You know, I, I don't like. I said I don't give an advantage to either. Uh, both. If you go to both, you will have fun, depending on what you want to do. Just different, different experiences. So, Fred, when you stayed downtown, where did you stay when you were downtown? The two times I went downtown, it was at the D both times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I end up, I just, the deals there are just too good to pass up. Um, also, uh, my parents, I've recommended that they stay, stayed there. They, I know that they're more of downtown people. They're really looking for value. Um, so I had then stay downtown as well. Um, uh, there were shorter trips. Uh, and a lot, of, a lot of times when we do our trips for the guide, we're also hotel hopping. We'll, we'll hop around every night. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, actually, I've, so I've stayed at actually stayed at the, uh, El Cortez once as well. On again on a research trip, trying to you know review the room. You and the El Cortez, eh? Oh, I love the El Cortez. <laughs> so um, yeah, so yeah, I've, I've been around downtown, stayed a couple of hotels down there. But the, the D for me is just a great, such a great value and a good spot. It's funny that you like that place so much. When, the both times I've been there, you didn't take me there. We, I think we walked to the casino, or maybe we didn't. I don't know. I'm not sure if we did. But next time we go, to, we got to check out this uh, Canadian bar. Have you been to this one, Jeff? I have not. No, Bar Canada was. Uh, bar Canada, yeah. It was on my list for my March trip that I had planned. That I, I were going I, in March. I I I was I was supposed to be in Vegas St. Patrick's Day week. My oh, wife and I were planning. Oh, we were man. leaving on the 15th of March. And we canceled our trip on the morning of the 14th. Um, it was uh, one of the most heartbreaking decisions that we'd had to make. And at that point, things weren't officially closing down as of yet. There were no, there wasn't even rumors, but things were starting to heat up a little bit in the COVID world. And my wife works in healthcare and they had, she had heard through the grapevine that there was a possibility that people who were traveling coming back from anywhere, we're going to have to isolate. And so she spoke with her boss and her boss said, well, no, nothing official yet. But when you come home, you should probably contact your occupational health and safety people to find out what's going on, which we took to mean shit. You're going to be quarantined for two weeks when we get back and you can't be off work for two weeks. So we canceled the trip. And so my last trip to Vegas was in January. Um, Bar Canada, I think had just been announced just prior to that. Um, I've seen some of the photos and it looks, it looks pretty legit. Uh, Sergio from Viva Lost Value, who was on uh, my open for business episode. Um, he went and checked out Bar Canada and said it was, it was pretty cool. They had a few Canadian craft beers on tap. They had the Molson Canadian and the Labatt Blue going. So, uh, I mean, I, I think it would be personally, I'm, I'm, it's killing me that I, I can't get down there 
And with, with hockey allegedly getting started again here coming up in the coming weeks, I think it would be a great place to be able to sit and watch some hockey with some, some fellow Canadians, but of course with borders closed and, and all this craziness, it's just not going to happen, but no, it's definitely, uh, it's, it's on my list for an upcoming trip for sure. For sure. Um, do you guys have any, I mean, between your own personal experience and, um, and the unofficial guide, do you guys have any, uh, must do's must avoids things you absolutely got to see things you definitely need to watch out for when you're in Vegas or things that you just definitely shouldn't waste your time with when you're there? Yeah. Um, the one thing that I, I like to tell people is that, um, keep your, keep your trip short, you know, plan, plan to go to Vegas many times. Um, don't, don't, it's not the kind of place where you want to go once and spend a week. Uh, I mean, you certainly can do that, but typically people find that it's a good place to go for three or four nights. Check is certainly for the first time, check it out, see what you like, see which areas appeal to you and then plan another trip at some other time. Um, That's a tip that keeps coming up. Uh, The other thing I I like to tell people about is uh, tickets for tonight. Um, It's the kind of place that in most other destinations, you would say avoid it like the plague. Like it just looks like a scam. Uh-huh. However, um, it's something that we use all the time for our show reviews and even on personal trips. I'm always going there for my tickets for last minute, you know, for tonight or the next night. Um, and it's something that I really recommend people look into before they go. Go to the website, check out what shows are available. They have some coupons you can download, even for like a couple bucks off. But they even have a thing, at least they used to, where you could, you basically have like a, a free VIP, so you don't have to wait in the line. Stuff like that. Like it actually is, it's one of those things that's kind of marketed like it. It might be a bit of a scam, but it's actually legit. And you can get some really good deals on, on not just on shows, but on shows that are so top quality that they're only in Vegas. You can't see them anywhere else in the world. And they might be your highlight of the whole trip. Yeah, it does look pretty shady when you look at the little stands. Right? You're like, ah, oh, man, this is somebody's going to take my money and start running with it. Yeah, and it's a bit of an upsell. They like to talk you like, okay, do you want to add a meal to that? And let's do that. And you know, but if you just if you're just polite, if you know a little bit about what you're doing when you go in, um, then you can just kind of politely, you know, just no, I just want this and this and set me up. And there, I've always had good experiences there. So. Speaking of shows, uh, do you guys have any recommendations for shows? Any particular favorites? Anything that maybe you you didn't care for that you've seen? Um, for me, the Cirque shows, or, or obviously the Cirque shows are some of my favorites anywhere in the world to see, um, with the exception of the Chris Angel show. That's kind of a one that we'll kind of put aside for now. Yeah. But basically anything with Cirque du Soleil on it is going to be potentially one of the greatest things you've ever seen in your life. Um, and don't uh, the thing I like to recommend to people, too, is don't get too overexcited about the cost. I mean, it is going to be very expensive, but the percentage of people that come out of a Cirque show saying that it wasn't worth it is very, very low. So if you can just kind of find it in your budget to, um, you know, to take in a Cirque show, the chances of you having a great night is, is, is really, really high. So uh, I definitely love, love the Cirque shows, but on the other end of the spectrum, I wouldn't necessarily shy away from some of the cheaper shows as well. There are some shows like Matt King, which I think is an excellent value uh, afternoon show, which you can even take kids to if you happen to have kids with you. Um, there's uh, lots of other type of, I think Lance Burton is a decent, decent show. Um, there's, a, there's a guy that we saw a couple years ago that was recommended by, uh, I think it was Las Vegas Advisor, um, Frank Moreno. He's kind of a Las Vegas staple. He's been around for years. Uh-huh. Um, at the time we saw him, his show was at the Golden Nugget. I think now it's, 
he does he performs at like the Smith Center or something. Uh-huh. But there was like some kind of a like thirty five dollar show ticket with a buffet at the Golden Nugget, and it was an absolutely excellent show. I just couldn't believe how good of a show this was. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, d- do a little bit of digging. Uh, you know, read some guidebooks, go online, look for some reviews, talk to people, listen to podcasts. Um, there are some really, really good gems out there if you just kind of, you know, open your ears and, and, and are willing to kind of take a leap, uh, especially for something maybe that you wouldn't normally see at home. Uh-huh. Um, you know, Vegas is weird that way where there's kind of typical shows, you know, like a, everybody's been to a comedy club in their hometown, um, but not everybody's been to Blue Man Group. You know, it's kind of a it's a different different type of thing. Yeah, I totally get what you're saying. And and it kind of alludes back to what you were saying earlier about um seeing something that you can't see in your hometown. David Copperfield has been performing in Las Vegas for forever, but I've never seen him there because he tours. I had a chance to see him several years ago um, when I was living in, in the city of Regina in Saskatchewan. And it was an amazing show, but I mean, the tickets were, were, were probably about the same cost of what I would have paid to see him in Las Vegas. I can see him in a, in a, in my home theater. It's just a, it, it's a little bit different. Same deal with, um, with Cirque du Soleil shows. I mean, yes, Cirque also tours, but those shows that come to your hometown and set up a tent in the parking lot of your local arena aren't nearly as great as what you're going to be able to see, uh, when you, when you go to Las Vegas. Um, Seb, what about you? Have you had a chance to, to get to see any shows while you've been in Vegas at all? Unfortunately, no, uh, because we were so focused on on doing poker, and um, the last time we were there with the World Series of Poker, it really consumed everything. Um, but if I did see a show, the, the first, the next show that I would want to see would be um, uh, Love, because I'm such a Beatles fan. Mm-hmm. Um, although now I don't know what's happening with Cirque because of them filing for bankruptcy, so I don't know if. Uh, what's going to happen with the, with the shows in Vegas, but we'll see. But if I had to do something like that, I mean, any Cirque show, um, you know, I've seen the, the, the big, b- bigger shows that I've seen were at Disney where like the, the Lion King show, for example. Um, so I can only imagine what uh, an actual Cirque show would be. Um, you know, I've watched videos of them and I've seen production on television that um, not on the same scale as you would see in Vegas, but uh, based on what feedback I've got from Fred, I think love would definitely be on the top of my list without a doubt. I had the fortune a few years ago on a solo trip um, board one night. I, I had a friend of mine I was supposed to get together with jam out on me last minute. And I was like, huh, what am I going to do? And I jumped on literally on Vegas.com to see what shows were on that night. And I scored a ridiculous ticket for love um at the mirage i think i was in the third or fourth row from the stage right down there and i think i paid like 75 dollars for the ticket wow and i was by myself and i had the whole row to myself so really (laughs) it was great there was like three people in front of me it was kind of half empty again like a tuesday night or something and i can honestly say it was possibly one of the greatest shows i've ever seen anywhere ever in my life just wow. the the way they mix the music in and the acrobatics and the performances was just an absolute uh, amazing just the again the most one of the most amazing things i've ever seen so yeah if that's if you're picking a show to go and see i would say that is 
you're picking you're picking right if you're picking love there's <laughs> there's no question there um if people want to listen to your podcast which obviously i want them to do i've had a chance to listen to some of the episodes and and i love them i think you guys are doing an, an excellent job i think you're absolutely crushing it on this thing um, oh, that's awesome if people want to find the podcast and they want to reach out with you guys and, and interact with you guys, um, how can they go about doing that? Well, we, uh, we were, we went through anchor and so um, you can find us unofficial Vegas podcast. We're anywhere on basically that you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google podcasts, pretty much everything. You can also just Google that, Google that we've set up ourselves on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram under uh, unofficial Vegas podcast. So yeah, you should be able to find us by just uh, searching that. Which is a, a sentence that I always seem to mess up at the end of the podcast. I'm, the, I'm always the guy that closes out the show. And every time I say, if you have any questions, I always end up messing up the email address or something. And I have to say, <laughs> and I go, ah, oh, that's no good. Okay, let's redo that. And then I edit it out. But <laughs> It's UVP. We'll just go with UVP. Yeah. That's what it seems. Hashtag happening. UVP. Hashtag UVP. Hashtag UVP. Unofficial Vegas podcast. Again, um, guys, thank you for jumping on my podcast and I wish you guys all the best and all the biggest success in the world with your podcast and, uh, look forward to, uh, to chatting with you guys again, Fred and Seb. Thank you. Thanks for having us on Jeff. Thanks so much. You can find the unofficial Vegas podcast on Facebook at UV podcast and on Twitter at podcast underscore Vegas. I'll post links to their social media and their show in the show notes at jeffdoesvegas.com. I should also add that in addition to me talking to the guys for my show, they interviewed me for their podcast as well. So keep an eye on my social media for links to that episode of the unofficial Vegas podcast. And that wraps up another episode of the podcast. If you've got feedback on this episode of the show or any other episode for that matter, or you've got suggestions and ideas for topics you'd like me to cover on the podcast, please feel free to reach out to me via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Jeff Does Vegas. You can also email me directly at Jeff at JeffDoesVegas.com. In the meantime, thank you so much for checking out the show. Be sure to subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know the moment new episodes are available. And don't forget to visit jeffdoesvegas.com for past episodes and show notes. My name is Jeff, and this has been episode number 70 of the Jeff Does Vegas podcast. <laughs>